in, 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 in Christ among us. And uh, Lord, we thank you for your presence within us uh, as well, the way, the mo- way you move among us corporately and your ongoing presence within us as well. And so as you continue to do the work with us as a body, you uh, are certainly doing the work with us as individuals as well. So continue to stir up your gifts in these people. We pray for Alex this morning, uh, that, that you would uh, speak through him, you would encourage your people, that you would be pleased and glorified, that you would be helped uh, through this, and uh, we pray your blessing on him and your blessing, continued blessing upon us as people. In Jesus' name, amen. Good morning. All right. Wow. What a week. I just wanted to just first start off by saying thank you um, for the congregation for um, being a congregation of other people and um, just just enjoyed being a part of this congregation. Um, I just wanted to thank you guys personally for um, just the support that you give me and my family and Bella and our ministry. Um, I just feel so loved and supported by you guys. Um, I'm encouraged um, and excited for what you're doing in teaching in my life. Um, what you guys you guys are doing is just amazing, and I'm um, going to pray for for Jim's support. Heavenly Father, again, we thank you um, for your presence in this room, for your teaching, for I thank you for this congregation and for this body as a whole. Um, I pray that you would continue to fill this room up with your presence, that you would set hearts on fire for these guys this morning. We just thank you for this one word, on fire for your word, and that you would use them in Jesus' name. We praise you, Father, again. Use me this morning and through the power of your Holy Spirit, you will do this work. We thank you, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. So there was a man who entered the back stage of the circus to find an elephant tied up by a thin rope. When he asked the ringmaster what was keeping the elephant from escaping, why didn't they have these massive chains to hold these elephants down? To which the ringmaster replied, ever since they were young, we tied them to this very same size rope which they could not break free from at the time. And ever since then, they were under the same belief that this rope would hold them. Oftentimes, I feel like we as Christians are like elephants tied to a very thin rope. We accept the beliefs that we've been fed as young believers, which is fine for a short amount of time, but in order to change and grow as the people of God, we need to be able to study beliefs in depth and ask questions in order to truly accept them as our own. So in my time of being discipled, according to my dad, I have felt like an elephant tied by a very thin rope because I, I feel like I've been getting by on beliefs that were taught to me when I was young. And uh, that's great, but now it's time to, to dig deeper into the word, to study harder into the word, and learn more about who God is and the nature of our Father. Um, we've had to study the life of Jesus um, very in-depth um, the past few weeks. Um, and it's it's pushed me past the Sunday school answers about the Son of God and, and his revealed nature, his true purpose for his time on earth. So that's kind of what I wanted to share with you all this morning. Growing up, we're, we're fed the simple answer that Jesus came to earth to die for our sins and to pay the fee for them. But Jesus' role on earth was so much more than that. We get several explanations in the Gospels about why he was on earth. John 12 says, Jesus Jesus says, I have come into the world as light, so that whoever believes in me may not remain in darkness. 
John 6, for I have come down from heaven, not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. John 10 says, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. Luke 19 says, the son of man came to seek and to save the lost. That's just to name a few. So when we're called, since we are called to be like Jesus, I believe it is important for us to study his life and understand what his Three points I want to focus on this morning about Jesus and the reason behind his incarnation. Number one, he came to show us who God the Father is. We know from looking at Genesis and the story of creation that it was always God's intention to be in perfect communion with his people. But because of the fall, that communion and fellowship with the Father was broken. After the fall, we are given glimpses of the Father by his interactions with his people in the Old Testament. Just because we have a compilation of these interactions does not make them a common occurrence. Abraham lived to be 175 and only had a handful of encounters with God. Most of Abraham's life was not filled with consistent encounters with God. In the Old Testament, the people of God are given accounts of these encounters and several laws, but they quickly begin to take the laws and transform them into something that they are not. When Jesus comes to earth, the people of God have become obsessed with the law, and they use it as a means to righteousness. The law was meant to be an expression of one's relationship with God, not a means to the Father himself. Take the Ten Commandments, for example. In, in Exodus 20, verse 2, the Lord preceded the giving of the Ten Commandments with these words. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of people believed for years and years and often still do that the Ten Commandments are something that we have to do in order to be accepted by the Father. Exodus 20 makes it very clear that the Lord had already delivered the Ten Commandments before giving them the law. It's an instruction to be who we are as a people and not to be not who you should be after you follow, followed the law. The law is often a means that makes people believe they have to work harder in order to earn salvation and we don't need to work harder. We need a Savior. We need to be changed from the inside out, and Jesus came to bring that perfection. In 1 Samuel, we find the Israelites crying out for a king. Even after the Lord delivered them from Egypt and gave his people the laws to abide them to help them draw closer to him, they struggle to understand who God the Father is. The Lord says they have rejected me as their king. Verse 7. They wanted a physical person, an earthly king, to lead them just like the other nations of the world had. I believe that even present day Christians struggle to understand the nature of our father. It's far easier to think of God as an old man sitting on a throne and judging people up in heaven rather than understanding the, the nature of our father. And we put our trust in, in worldly leaders, leaders that we can see and hear. So we have to make it a habit as the people of God to study Jesus as a gift from the father to show us his character. And by looking at Jesus, we are able to know him. The disciples even struggled to understand who the Father is. Even though that Jesus had been living with the disciples for some time and been traveling with them and teaching them as their rabbi, they still do not understand who God is. I'm going to open my Bible to John 14, starting in verse 5, if you would like to follow along. John 14, starting in verse 5. And Thomas said to him, Lord, we don't know where you are going, so how can we know the way? answered, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you really know me, you will know my Father as well. From 
now on, you do know him and you have seen him. Philip said, Lord, just show us the Father and that will be enough for us. Jesus answered, don't you know me, Philip? Even after I have been among you such a long time, anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Don't you believe that I am in the Father and that the Father is in me? The words I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority. Rather, it is the Father living in me who is doing his work. Believe me when I say that I am in the Father. The Father is in me. Or at least believe on the evidence of the works themselves. Philip begged, Lord, just show us who the Father is. Jesus replied, don't you even know me, Philip? If you have seen me, you have seen the Father. Jesus came to show us who God the Father is. God's people have fallen asleep, and Jesus has been sent to wake them up and show them who God truly is. In Hebrews 1, 1 through 3, it reads, In the past, God spoke to our ancestors through prophets at many times and in various ways, but in the last days, he has spoken to us by his Son, whom he appointed heir of all things, through whom he also made the universe. The Son is the radiance of God's glory, the exact representation of his being, sustaining all things by his powerful word. After he had provided purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty in heaven. The Son is the radiance of God's glory, the exact representation of his glory. To understand the nature of God the Father, we must study the Trinity. My second point is this. Jesus came to show us who we are and who we are called to be. Looking again at creation, we see God, creator of the universe, who creates a man in his own image. He desired for his children to have his likeness, but again, this image is tainted and it's broken by sin. I wrestled with this this theme um, over the past couple weeks and and expressed my frustrations with my dad on, on how I didn't understand why he could take on human form. He, he was a terrible human being. I mean, completely rotten sinner. Paul even says in 1 Timothy, I am the worst of sinners. Bella and I joke together all the time. We're like, no, I'm pretty sure I'm the worst of sinners. And, and we quote Paul all the time in that regard. But the humans are, they are dirty, rotten sinners. But my dad looked at me and he smiled and he said, you did sin and you can't change that. But he also smiled and said, that's wrong. You just aren't like that. Sin is messed up. Genesis 1 says, God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. And what did he say after this? He said, this is very good. Sin tainted that goodness, and Jesus redeemed it. He took on human form and redeemed its eternal value of being in perfect unity with God the Father. And he not only redeemed the value of man, but he was sent by the Father to be the perfect example of what it looks like to live in communion and harmony with the Father. In other words, he lived fully human like we were created. The problem with our people with the people of God isn't our humanness, it's our fallenness. It's our sinfulness, our ongoing failure to live up to our creation design, to live up to God's creation design. Jesus showed us what it looked like to become a sin. Jesus did not simply come to prove his greatness, but to show you and me who we were created to be and how we were created to live. He showed us what it looked like to truly fulfill your calling to love God and to love people. He took on humanity, all the baggage that came with it, to be our perfect example and to show us the relationship with the Father that we've been called into. To say that he took on humanity is an understatement. 
Jesus was tempted by the devil to pray. After 40 days and 40 nights of fasting, the Bible says in Matthew 4 that Jesus was hungry. Now, I've been hungry, and I think it's safe to say that after 40 days of not eating, Jesus was probably starving. Okay, and he could use that term starving and not be yelled at his mother for being mad at him. We find Jesus coming off this fast, and Satan appears to him and tries to find Jesus at his weakest. But Jesus shows us firsthand what it means to fight temptation, not just with scripture, but with obedience. He displays what a life is that is in perfect communion with the Father. Not one that's free of temptation, but one that's free from succumbing to temptation. And obeying scripture in a way that causes the devil himself to Jesus came to show us who God is, and he came to show us who we were created to be. And in doing that, he made it clear that he's not alone. The perfect communion with God could one day be ours to share as well. And that brings me to my third and final point. Jesus was sent to the earth so that the world may be redeemed. Ever since creation, it has always been the Lord's plan to live in communion with man. But as sin came into the picture, that communion was broken. Carnal, worldly struggles invaded the earth, and they caused a separation between us and his Father. However, the Lord in his goodness and in his mercy continued to reveal himself to his children. And he already had a plan for leaders to redemption. Jesus is the center of that plan. With sin waging war against the people of God, he sent his son Jesus to earth as a human to conquer death, and ultimately redeem not just humanity, but all of God's creation. Hebrews 2, 14 through 18 says this, Since the children have flesh and blood, he too shared in their humanity, so that by his death he might break the power of him who holds the power of death, that is, the devil, and free those who all their lives were held in slavery by their fear of death. For this reason he, he had to be made like men, fully human in every way, in order that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in service to God, that he might make atonement for the sins of the people. Since he himself suffered when he was tempted, he is able to help those who are being tempted. He became human because it was required of him to be human in order to defeat sin and death. Not because of anything that you do, not because of anything that I have done, but because the Lord is merciful and because the Lord loves you. Now, because death has died, the world can be redeemed according to the plan of Jesus. And that is the gospel. Praise the Lord for that. In closing, it's, it's easy for us to take a more self-centered view of the gospel that says, hey, Jesus came to earth to die for me. And that is true. Praise the Lord for that. He did come and die for us. But by studying Jesus and his life, we can prepare to go home with a clean generation. He gives us the perfect picture of our perfect father. He came to show us that humanity is not an accident. It is a gift from God to be made in his image. Sin is bad, but praise God for point number three, which tells us sin and death cannot coexist. Jesus has redeemed the world through his death and resurrection. He died so that holy communion with God is able to be grafted into us.
is an example of how good worship can be. Often we're considered what we can't give. God, we love you for your generous providence. Thank you for all that you've done for us. Let your love permeate us. Let the humble servant then he explains it in verse 10 as anyone in the congregation places the summing up and bringing together all things in heaven and on earth under one head Christ. Jesus is that head. Jesus is the end the beginning of the plan of God through the restoration of his plan. And as David in our psalm read Thank you.